Thank you so much for allowing me to be here. This is a holy privilege, and I am your debtor. I want to read one verse, pray, and dig right in. I think you'll understand why in just a moment. Proverbs 9 at verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's pray. Please help. Come and help Holy Spirit. Help us understand and rightly respond to faithless fear. In Jesus' name, amen. He was a professional and I had paid him. He was brilliant on top of that and we had prayed and worked side by side now for months. We just finished praying. He leaned forward and he looked me in the eye and he said, you are the most frightened man I've ever met in my life. There may be someone more frightened than you, but I've not met him yet. Those words were said to me 30 years ago, but words like that leave a mark. I've thought a lot about fear since that day because in some ways, I believe God has called me to fight it on a daily basis. So I've come to speak to you about fear facing it and fighting it because I think many, maybe most, maybe all of you are knowing it recently perhaps. Here are some of its names. Anxiousness, that's that quiet, nagging distress simply about things you don't know. But what if COVID, the, the, the politics, what, what if the racism, what, what, what if the unrest, my, room, my roommate, what, what if, and then there's another name, it's called shame. It's fear of the things that have happened in the past, something that's been done by you or something that's been done to you, and it sounds like, what if they find out? What if it never gets better? And then fear goes into the future. It's called worry. I, I just know this could happen. I don't know what's next. Will they send us all home? And if they do, then what? Will I graduate? And when fear goes viral, when it goes sepsis, it's called panic. It's even called an attack. It sounds like I can't handle this. No, I'm not kidding. I'm losing it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Now, these are all just subsets of fear. It has other names, but here would be a humble definition. It doesn't mean all of this, but it at least means this. Fear is a response. Sometimes it's more. 
or less, of something or someone that happens deep within us that hijacks involuntarily. We don't ask for it. Emotional, intellectual, volitional, physical, spiritual capacities. They're just stolen, demanded, elicited. And again, it may be more than that or less than that, but it's at least that. Here's how it works. You come to breakfast in the morning, you're enjoying a good cup of coffee or great tea and a warm muffin and fresh fruit and you all of a sudden remember that there was an assignment you completely neglected and the class is just minutes away and fear hijacks a good breakfast. You can't think about the tastes anymore. You get up, you take everything over to drop it off and leave for the class on the way to class your cell phone rings. And it's home and someone says, grandfather, grandmother's tested positive. We're taking the hospital now. They're not doing good. And again, hijacked. You can't even think about the class now. All your capacities have been stolen, demanded by something else that frightens you. You arrange for a plane flight home. Immediately somebody drives you to the airport and you get in the plane. And while you're sitting there, you hear a dull thud. And you look out the window and the engine's on fire, hijacked. One thing after another, it's stolen away. That's what fear does. You see how it works? How do you fight it? How do you face it? Two quick answers. Make sure you know the difference between faithless fear and faithful fear. And then second, you seek the grace to have faithful fear. What, what's, what's the difference? This may even sound confusing. Why do you even talk about faithful fear? What in blazes? Well, you probably know your Bible's filled with positive references commending fear. Listen, Deuteronomy 6, 24. The Lord commanded us to fear the Lord our God that we might always prosper and be kept alive. Wow. Keeps us alive. Psalm 31, 19, how great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear you. Wow, God unloads the treasure trove because of fear. Psalm 112, 1, blessed is the person who fears the Lord. Blessing. Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. I get more years? Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Wow. In Proverbs 9.10, with which I began, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if it is, and it is, then that means the fear of anything else more than the Lord is the beginning of folly, utter stupidity. Listen to Scottish military chaplain during World War II, Oswald Chambers, said, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas, if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. What he's saying is an underestimation of God, no fear, no awe, no amazement, no whoa of his grace, his gospel, his glory, his greatness, his goodness, always, always leads to an overestimation of something that's created, always. Fear that's faithful is fought, therefore, 
by a breathtaking, mind-enthralling, heart-captivating, knee-knocking, imagination-captivating whoa at the gospel greatness and glory of God to hijack back a right fear. Here's my illustration. I remember the first time in 2005 I saw the Academy Award winning for Best Special Effects remake of the 1933 King Kong. I remember the scene when King Kong is defending Anne Darrow, played by Naomi Watts, against three, how do you say the plural of Tyrannosaurus Rex, and doing it in midair while dangling from vines. I remember sitting with somebody and going, are you in? I went, yeah, I'm in. Are you in? Yeah, I'm all in. I'm buying this. We got T-Rexes flying through midair with an ape and a woman in her hand. I'm in, I'm in. Do you remember what happened? Anne had fled from this unbelievably gigantic being called Kong only to be chased by not one, not two, but three dinosaurs. Talk about frightening. And do you remember what happened? Kong comes to her defense. And he whoops them midair, on the ground, completely. At one point, when he gets down to one, he's about to turn Anne into an Anne snack and just as he's coming toward Anne, thunderously falling down behind her, lands Kong. And he just looks at the dinosaur. And Anne begins to realize something. He wants to protect me. He beats the living daylights out of the T-Rex. And Anne finds herself then, do you remember? tossed up on his shoulder as he safely hurls through the jungle and Peter Jackson zeroes in on her face looking at his face like you protected me you like me here was her experience horrifying fearful something there called a T-Rex Horrifying something there called Kong. The T-Rex wants to hurt me. He wants to help me. Here's a foe. I think this is a friend. I'm afraid of the one that will hurt and threaten. Should I trust the one that will help with thanks? Now clearly, as the fight's over, Kong is the top of the food chain, worthy of fear. But the whole point of that scene and the music that follows is that the one who was very frightening was her friend. Listen, this is godly fear. It's when you decidedly, delightedly know that the one who's not just top of the food chain, he made the food chain, made his son his enemy to make you his friend. made his son the receiver of wrath to make you the protected possession. That you are his treasure because he punished his son.
when that begins to settle in on the soul, you can look into the face of a pandemic, pain, problems, political chaos, poverty, pressure, saying, you're scary, but you're nothing compared to him. And oh, by the way, he's my friend. Now this brings me to faithless fear. What's that? Matthew 14, 27 makes it very clear. Remember, massive winds and waves, it said, are hammering against the disciples' boat. Jesus comes in the midst of the storm, walking on the water. Here's what Matthew 26, uh, excuse me, 14, 26 says. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Here's faithless fear. When the storm seems more real than Jesus, now you're in faithless fear. It's time to fight. Faithless fear is when Jesus seems to you like a weird ghost instead of a welcoming God. Faithless fear underestimates God and therefore will always overestimate something about the wind and the waves. Do you see it? Do you? That's the difference. Now, how do you cultivate faithful fear? You've got to seek it as a grace. Listen to Psalm 25:12. Who's the man or the woman who fears the Lord? And he answers. God will instruct them in the way he's chosen. The Hebrew literally is God will aim them like an arrow on a bow. That's what the word instruct means. So in other words, I seek a right response to God when his navigation of me, his navigation of me, aims the trajectory of my life. Now I want to warn you, that is a tall order when you're very afraid. So I want to take you to a place where David is very afraid and watch what being aimed by God feels like. 1 Samuel 30 at verse 1. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day, and now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag, burned it, taken captive all the women, all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Listen to the next verses. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Notice the repetition. What you do with Hebrew when you're making emphasis is you repeat, you don't rhyme. What he's wanting you to know is when David and his men had left town and then came back, they saw smoke rising over the hillside. And when they came over the rise, there wasn't a dead body on the ground. And in these days, I mean no dishonor or disrespect, you wanted to see dead bodies if you'd left your wife and kids behind. Because if they took them alive, there was no telling what they would do to them. And there's no one. Just smoke and flames. Listen to the next line. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. You ever cried like that? 
Have you ever cried until your diaphragm seizes up? And you can't get air. It just, <gasps> that's what's happening right here. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So now, not only are the Amalekites stolen off with all of the men, women, and children left, now his own men were saying, I believe we ought to kill David. So friends are turning on him. These are the elders of his church. And they're turning on him. You ever had your friends, when you were carrying your emotional entrails in between your fingers, turn on you? And then it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. When I read something like that, I want to go, yeah? How? I want to know how. Here's how. David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. And Abiathar brought it to him. David inquired of the Lord. Without going into the theology of the ephod, basically David was saying this, would you hand me my Bible? I want to know what God wants. It's really what he was doing. I want God's word. So basically, he must be turning, since it said David's men were talking and stoning him. Abiathar is one of them. So you've got Abiathar standing there with a stone going like this, saying, yeah, what do you want? Oh, you want your Bible? Spiritual boy. Well, make your quiet time quick. We've got a little Christian education we want to give you. And then listen to what David does. Abiathar brought it to him, and David asked of the Lord. Before I read this, I am impressed by David and Goliath. But I want to tell you, that's nothing compared to this. Listen to this prayer. Shall I pursue this raiding party? Notice, he didn't say, shall we. David just asked, shall I go after an entire army? Now look, Goliath was big. But one man and a whole army? If there was ever a moment, I wouldn't want God to answer the prayer. Please don't talk to me now. And he then doubles it and he says, shall I overtake them? Listen to the next statement from God. Pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed. Before I read to you the next, do you understand what it means to seek grace, to be aimed by God? I'll tell you a contrast so you can see what it is by what it's not. Here would have been my prayer right here with David. I would have looked at my friends and I would have prayed this. Dear God, would you please get those turkeys? They're ruining my life. My guts are out as much as theirs, and all they want to do is kill me. Great friends, Lord. Fix them. And his is, what do you want from me? Aim in me. Navigate me. And you know what happens? Listen. 
So David and 600 men with him came to the Besor Ravine. Whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. They were just talking of stoning him. What happened in between verse 8 and verse 9? Here's my suggestion. And I don't know. This is sanctified imagination. This is what I picture. I picture him standing there with stones going, okay, we almost done the quiet time? Oh, good. He's off his knees. All right, stick, stand still. Where are you going? What are you, you getting on your camel? Why, why are you doing that? What, are you going to go after the whole army alone? Come on, let's go with him. Here's pure speculation. If just one of us begins to say what very few Christians say anymore, not fix them, but change me. What do you want from me? You can start a spiritual vortex that'll make the hardest, coldest, numbest, furthest from Jesus go, let's go with him. It can be hard to seek him, but that's where you begin. So, Christian, you are Andaro on someone much greater than Kong's shoulder. The living God has made you his friend. And there's a lot that's scary. Look it dead in the eye. What do you want from me? Because this is scary, but this is nothing compared to him. Let's pray. Lord, we pray Paul Gerhardt's words. Give to the wind thy fears. Hope and be undismayed. God hears your sighs. He counts your tears. He will lift up your head. Leave to his sovereign sway to choose and to command. Then shall you wandering own his way. How wise, how strong his hand. Far, far above your thoughts, his counsel shall appear. When fully he the work hath wrought that caused your needless fear. Through waves, clouds, and storms, he gently clears the way. Wait thou his time. So shall this night soon end in glorious day. Grant us defiant hope, resilient faith, rooted in faithful fear that doesn't underestimate you and overestimate creation, but rightly estimates you and brings hope and help to this creation. In Jesus' name, amen.